can travel anywhere in time and space. And it's mine. Please. Look at this. Go on, say. Most people do. on the outside smaller on the outside or as i would like to call it sotocast the first the best and the only doctor who podcast that you just can't miss my name is dave and i'll be the time lord with you this evening and with me as always is andy who is the companion welcome to season nine of smaller on the outside if you've never listened to this podcast before uh it is a television podcast where we talk about different tv shows per podcast season though typically speaking we've talked most about Doctor Who, hence the title of the show. Season 9 is a complete rewatch of the Doctor Who Modern series. Uh, so All 10 seasons all uh, plus the Christmas special. Which mm-hmm. The Christmas special will be, will be at the end and where everything will be revealed. Today's episode we're talking about the season... As part of uh, season 10, sort of, instead of, like, the beginning of season 11. Right. Usually, usually the Christmas specials are considered, like, the beginning of the next season. But then after the Christmas special, you don't even know when it's going to start again after that point. Right. So, whatever. Um, so, uh, this first episode, this episode you're listening to, will be uh, talking about the first season of Doctor Who. So, that would be the sole season with Christopher Eccleston. Um... Doctor. As the Doctor, the Ninth Doctor, um, and and then we'll just kind of go from there after that. And the end of this episode, there will be a spoiler section, quote-unquote spoiler, even though everybody knows what we're talking about, we consider spoilery, but it's like, it's completely well-known territory at this point. So we'll talk about... Unfortunately. Yeah, we'll talk <laughs> about the... a little bit about the announcement, but more along the lines of what the definition of uh, a spoiler and uh, the madness that uh, I personally experienced uh, after the actual announcement. Uh, so, <laughs> well, I'll first talk about the first season of uh, Doctor Who. Now, how many years was it uh, since the last of the classics? And the first of this series. Um, the previous, well, we had the Doctor Who TV movie in 1996 right. before this, and then before that, it would be uh, 1989. Uh, that would be the seventh Doctor. The last 89. episode was called Survival in season 26 of the classic series. Okay, uh, so 1989. I was a year old. Um, so there is a pretty big gap there between them, even for the movie, because the movie was almost 10 years, too. Um, right. So this aired in 2005. There was 12 episodes, um, and it was my introduction to Doctor Who. Uh, did you start on this season? Or when did you go back and see the classics? I, uh, well, okay, I watched uh, all of modern Doctor Who up to the first half of season six um, within a, including Torchwood and Sarah Jane Adventures. I watched all of that in a month, uh, <laughs> catching right up to the beginning of the second half of season six. And then I think later that year, like uh, November or something, I started going back and watching the uh, classic series and I watched all 700 whatever 
episodes there are of that. And then you had to kind of scour, right, to find some of the episodes that were... Yeah, some of the episodes are missing, so all there's left is just... Uh, they're called reconstructions. They're basically their promotional uh, pictures and set photos set to just the audio of the episode. Because a lot of times the audio remained while the uh, the actual episode video was destroyed. And so people have kind of put in like uh, created like sort of slideshows with the audio set to these uh, set photos. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they're just kind of around the web. If you, if you just search for the episode title, you can usually find one. Right. And the old series, from what I could tell, looked like, I mean, they're all, like, black and white, but it looked like they were plays, like, um, like, there's this, like, this one camera that, um, was on um, the see, stage. See, that's the thing, when I, before I started watching it, that's what my general impression was, too, but even, like, in the first episode, it kind of impressed me on the, uh, production quality. There, there is some of that, especially if you watch it in the original, uh, uh, frame rate because uh, some stuff is 25 frames a second, but some stuff is 50 frames a second. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff they filmed uh, indoors, and that stuff does feel, if, especially if you watch it in the r- original frame rate, it does feel like uh, sort of like a soap opera or a mm-hmm. play or something because uh, it just doesn't feel as uh, as high quality. But if you watch it all at, at 25 frames a second, then it, it pretty much feels like the quality of the production was pretty good there are some sets and stuff that didn't quite match that but uh overall i think it was better than i was expecting when i watched it you know when i for when i watched uh the season one over again um i i i just have the distinct feeling that they were trying to be different from the classics and trying to be quote-unquote cool so christopher eccleson has like a leather jacket <laughs> you know there's the young blonde hair of long hair and there's some CGI, which the old show probably didn't really have a whole lot of. Very bad CGI in the first season. Yeah, first season was not only bad CGI, I think it's probably the corniest season that exists. Um, and uh, For the most part, there's some good stuff, though. And uh, there's a lot of um, glow. Uh, yeah, diffuse there, there glow. Like a, I don't know if they used like a filter or what, but the uh, something on the lens, or if it was in the editing process. It looked like diffuse to maybe glow, cover up like the, it, the interlacing or like, what. But like, the, there's yeah. just like a glow over everything. Yeah, if you watch the, it, that's it's not like, there. I don't see that in season two. So no, I, I haven't either. It's like if you're on Photoshop after that. It's like you're on Photoshop and you're using diffuse glow and everything, uh, and it just kind of looks overexposed. Uh, in yeah. c- certain scenes, and it's 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 weird. I feel like there, it was part of the filter to make it look different, but I don't think it really worked all that well. I just thought it was weird. Yeah, um, I think it was probably just the director of photography had some some kind of. This was 2005. Who knows what things looked like back then that that people were happy with? I mean, that mm-hmm. then you had you had like Lost and Heroes and stuff back then, so <laughs> that wasn't quite the normal. Either. Well, it's different in. Uh, in the UK, uh, right. their production. It, they, they didn't have they didn't have the same budgets we we did back then anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's some, something they were doing. They thought maybe it would look cool, and I think they realized by the end of the season it was just it made things look a little weird. I think it did weird, tone yeah. down a little bit throughout the season. Now, when I first when I first saw uh, Doctor Who, it was weird because when the first change to David Tennant towards the end, I was like. I was wary about it because I actually did like Christopher Eccleston. He's a he's a weird dude, but he had um, oh. 
what you would consider, you know, the doctor's fire at certain points. So he'd be like, he's got his goofy smile throughout the whole entire season, saying fantastic with everything. Yeah, but then he will. Eccleston, Christopher Eccleston, something about him that, that, uh, David Tennant has a little bit of this, but, but, um, Christopher Eccleston in particular, what I think he's really good at is, uh, being able to get like really dark and serious and then just with like, a snap. He's suddenly a happy, yeah, cheery he, guy. Yeah, he's uh, it's it's the extreme. So that's you, not easy as an actor to do, and he pulls it off perfectly. Yeah, there. So there's major extremes. There's like super, like he's so delighted and bubbly and everything, and then the next snap of a second, he's like serious and in your face, and then it'll go back and forth. And, and he so gets it, a little angry sometimes too. Oh yeah. Something something about uh, Christopher Eccleston that I thought kind of resembled a bit of uh Capaldi in mm. the way that he acted in a lot of a lot of times. Yeah. And also uh the season has his companion which of course is Rose. And the weirdest thing about Rose, I I told Andy about this before, I remember her being in so much more of Doctor Who than just a couple seasons. Uh and I know she makes a couple returns here and there yeah, but she does she does come back so that may be kind of where where your imagination stretched her her uh, I'm like when I'm thinking back that. to all the companions that have been in the last 10 years like she sticks out as one that was there longer but it's not true we have companions that were there much longer than her it's just I don't know she had she had the most impact uh, because she was the first companion a lot of people with Doctor Who, their firsts are the ones that have the uh, the most impact for them. Like a lot of people started with Tom Baker, so they remember him as their their Doctor. You know, a lot of people started with Sarah Jane, and they remember her as their companion. Uh, same thing with modern day. If you started with uh, David Tennant, a lot of people see him as their Doctor, and a lot of people started with Rose. So I've I've seen that him. around people saying that's not you know. My doctor, my doctor. I, I've seen people say my doctor was Matt uh, Smith, and my doctor. Yeah, is a, lot of, a lot of people in America, in particular, started with Matt Smith and and see him as their favorite doctor. That's because uh, it's kind of like season five started off with uh, more of a start over point, and I think yeah, season tried... five was a bit of a reboot. Uh, and I of. and I believe they're doing the same thing probably with season eleven. Probably. Um, so, anyways, we have the first episode was was Rose. That was the introduction to obviously Rose um, and I've, this new Doctor and this new Doctor. Everybody basically. A <laughs> uh, couple of obversa- uh, observations that I found when I was watching this episode was the first time that you see the sonic screwdriver, the Doctor tells Rose to shield her eyes. <laughs> uh, no, that wasn't because of the sonic screwdriver. It was because when he used it, it, it set off a spark. Yeah. Yeah, so I think he was just shielding her eyes from the spark. Um, And most of the effects in the first episode were actually practical, other than the 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 plastic, the big... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of practical effects in that first episode. Um, Which was... uh, The practical plastic Mickey was... was, uh, I mean, it looks stupid, but it actually, you know... Doing it practical made it a lot better than if they tried to do it CG. Right. You also learned that... The doctor has recently regenerated before this episode because he's never seen himself in the mirror. Yeah, so he sees himself in the mirror, he sees the ears, he, and somehow can read through a book in one second. Um, That's a new one. <laughs> one. One thing I thought was interesting, though, is in the episode, you uh, when Rose finds out who the doctor is when she goes to this uh, internet conspiracy guy... She, she's seen him throughout the 
yeah. yeah. There's pictures. There's pictures of Christopher Eccleston in other time periods. So the question is, did he travel to all these places before visiting Rose? And you know, I'm guessing probably not, or, or otherwise he probably would have seen himself, especially in that when he took his photo. Or is this like a are these uh, travels that he had while he was with Rose, and just just some for some reason she's just. I guess that's a possibility. I mean, because they were if always you pay yeah. attention throughout the season. There are moments in there where you can tell that they did, uh, they did go places that we didn't see. Right. There are certain things that they mentioned. Yeah, and then you you know you obviously have your radio uh, episodes and uh, books and stuff like that and comics. I, think, that... I don't think there's any radio uh, plays of Christopher Eccleston. You don't think so? I don't. What think about so. comics and and uh, and comics? Maybe yeah. Yeah. Um. So there's there's stories that you, you you haven't seen unless you're like that into it. Maybe. Um. Now the villain in this episode was known as. I don't know. It's living... Nesting consciousness. Nesting consciousness. These uh, are, uh, the Autons are the living plastic. Right. Uh, those, you know, the plastic uh, dummies, those were from the classic series as well. I believe the first time you saw those was the first episode of the third Doctor. Okay. So we did see the uh, mannequins in the classics, or...? So while they were trying to separate themselves from the classic series, they were also directly referencing the classic series in the first episode. Okay. Um, and this episode was more, even though it did have those villains, it was more of an introduction to, um, the characters, including Mickey and Rose's mom. Um, this episode did not hook me on the series. I watched, you know, I heard a lot no. about Doctor Who. I watched this episode. I was like, this is kind of a stupid show. I didn't. <laughs> Other episodes I, are better at hooking you, but this is a good one I, to start. I, did, I didn't go back in and watch it again for a couple weeks after that. And then that hooked me. There's right. There's there there are a lot more interesting. Yeah, there there are better uh episodes to hook you with, but the first one is good to introduce the characters. Right. Um so you have to kind of get through the uh the weirdness of it kind a of A couple uh, things uh I noticed when I first watched this episode, I did not I did not know the doctor was an alien before watching the show. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um uh, and uh yeah, so the TARDIS, I had heard about the TARDIS, I didn't know, really know what it was and so it's kind of cool to think about when you first. A lot of people probably didn't experience that because uh, Doctor Who is very popular in in pop culture now. So a lot of people know about things about the Doctor without even watching the show. So I thought that was kind of cool that I I didn't know those things before watching. I had rated that episode eight, eight out of ten. Okay. All right. So on to the next uh, episode. There, the next episode is called "The End of the World," uh, and we're shooting five billion uh, years into the future. That's right, like five billion something or other. Uh five yeah, they had they gave it a weird name, but yeah, it's five billion years. Um so five billion years in the future, this is when the Earth is dying. Uh, is officially dying. Uh, um, the sun is about to explode basically. I think they said they they've held off the sun using a force field mm-hmm. and then they're just gonna let it go. And this is the episode where the uh, enemy is uh, Lady Cassandra. Uh, there's actually a couple episodes in this season where both had Lady Cassandra and Face of Bo, and this is one of them. Um, uh, no, no. Uh, she comes back in the next season, not this one. Does she not show up in the later yeah, episode? Yeah, you're thinking of season? season two. That's, okay. That's season two. Well, the Face of Bo shows up in this one as well. Um, and Cassandra is 
considered the last pure human. She's basically she thinks. yeah, she's basically just this stretched out piece of skin with a face on it. Um, she has to be moisturized. It, it's it's a hint at like the how far uh, plastic surgery goes and how right. far people like are willing Rose, to go. Rose makes fun of her by calling her. Uh, I'm gonna go talk to Michael Jackson over there. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, this is also the episode that first referenced Gallifrey, and, uh, the they term Time Lord. They say Gallifrey, right? They I think said... they did. They said Gallifrey. Did they? Because I, I wrote, uh, a note on it that he said, I am less, I'm from Gallifrey, I'm a Time Lord. Uh. I know they said Time Lord. I didn't, I didn't notice them mentioning Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first time also that the TARDIS helps, um, people understand aliens, their language, that the TARDIS does that. Right, this one we learn about that, yeah. And other than the villain being Cassandra, it's also those little spider robot things. Those also show up um, on that season two episode, right? Uh, they might be, yeah, they might be the same thing. They're, they they don't have a whole lot that. of focus, but there was a little spider thing in that episode as well. Yeah. So that was probably a reference to the fact that Cassandra was going to show up in it. The big thing... I think this episode uh, introduces is the uh, the time war. Uh, this is something that they've never mentioned before in Doctor Who before this. Uh, so it's uh, so the time war obviously is something that is huge in the series and and continues on to affect all the Doctors in the modern series so far. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, that's kind of a very important episode that we first learned that he is the last of the time lords and, and that. That he killed them off uh, because of the time war. And here's an interesting observation: one of the aliens on the ship in the future was blue. And if you yeah. remember, I was talking about the blue man group in the, in the season ten episode. Yeah, I'm like, there was, that, there was a couple that? blue episodes in season ten, and uh, blue uh, blue people in episode in season ten, and now there was a blue person here. You think it's the same kind of bracer? It's possible. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> I don't think it matters, but it, it, it's possible. Um. So the blue blue man group. Um, that was it for the groups are rated that episode. Uh, perfect ten, ten out of ten. Wow, it's one of the few that I rated perfect ten. I it have... had yeah, it had ten out of ten moments. I don't know if I'd rate the entire episode that way, but there was some really good moments, especially towards the end. Yeah, uh, the stuff the stuff between the Doctor and Rose, like when they were talking about you know his past and and. Uh, how she, I like how she was like, you know, you, you got in my head and you didn't even, you didn't even think to ask and stuff yeah. like that. I thought that, that stuff was really good. Out of all of the 13 episodes this season, I rated five of them perfect 10. Wow. Uh, a couple of them. I don't think that's very common amongst, uh, Doctor Who fans for season one. There's a, there's a couple that real, maybe three that maybe people rate 10 out of 10, uh, typically. Pretty... Maybe four, including the final episode. Right. Um, the lowest I got for the season was four, uh, and that's for a couple of episodes, so, which are coming up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> the next episode was called "The Unquiet Dead." This is the one I mostly remember for being the one with Shakespeare, or not Shakespeare. Yeah, Shakespeare. Is it? No. 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 Charles Dickens. Sorry, Charles Dickson. Dickens. Dickens. I, yeah. I, uh, there's something a little bit more uh, interesting about this episode that you would not have known. Um, this is actually the very first uh, – this is sort of like the 
very beginning of the Torchwood storyline. I know it's the very beginning of the Bad Wolf storyline. No, it's not. Bad Wolf is mentioned in the end of the world. When? Uh, somebody says something like, this is the Bad Wolf scenario. If you listen in the, in the background, it, it, somebody does mention it. I didn't hear it. I know that when they did the montage, the first one they showed was this episode. Wasn't and, it? Uh, also, in the montage, it shows uh, uh, on the face of Bo, it said, like, Bad Wolfu or something. <laughs> something Bad like Wolfu. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but the, yeah, this is actually the very beginning of the Torchwood storyline. The, the girl who is the psychic lady, she's actually an actress that is in Torchwood, the show. Mm. Supposedly the, you know, the ancestor of that character. And this is in Cardiff. Uh, this is where the rift starts, which is, uh, referenced later on in the season in, uh, in the, uh, second to last story. Um, and that all leads to what happens in the Torchwood series. Yeah. Now, the uh, the villains in this are the Gelth. Yeah. Uh, Gelth are, like, gas ghosts, basically. They look like ghosts, but they're actually made out of gas. Um, and the scientific explanation for ghosts. Yes, the scientific. So uh, the show likes to often give you, uh, you know, explanations for things uh you know paranormal or otherwise um just for fun you know and this is ghosts so they're gas uh entities and it I, think was kind of... been a, uh, I think there have been two or three explanations for ghosts throughout the series i'm not sure <laughs> and uh it was kind of a fun episode because charles dickens and the christmas carol and everything so and he actually started out on the episode kind of being grumpy kind of ended on a more you know Merry Christmas to all, you know, kind of a deal. So a, that kind of is similar to what happens with uh, uh, what's this? The, the painter guy. Uh, what am I thinking of? In uh, it, with with Matt Smith. Yeah, I can't think yeah. of his name for some reason, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Here. Um, yeah, that guy, that painter guy. Yeah, the guy who kills himself. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um. So. To me, this wasn't a super, like, it was more like a fun episode just for the heck of it, but it wasn't, like, super important. Um, yeah, I would say if you're not interested, well, I would say it's important in the sense that it does bring up, it's the most notable first uh, mention of Bad Wolf, so I think it's important in that sense and in the, in, in the sense of Torchwood connections, but mm-hmm. other than that, it's it, you can, it's almost a skippable one. And this one I rated 7, 7 out of 10. Alright, All right, so the next one we got is it's a two-parter. It's a two-parter. First one's called Aliens of London. Second episode's called World War Three. Now, these were the uh, introduction to the uh, Slovene. Um, fat alien dudes that burp and fart all the time. Yes, these, these uh, aliens are uh, amongst the most hated uh, species in Doctor Who, and Strangely enough, they still brought them back for the Sarah Jane Adventures. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a fan of these. Like I, I said on Twitter, I'm like, I kind of hate this listening. <laughs> like, these not only are weird aliens that are kind of stupid, but it's kind of a boring episode, too. Another uh, interesting fact about this episode, though, is there is another Torchwood uh, uh, connection. Uh, one of the, the, the uh, scientist lady... That's uh, working and like ins- inspecting the alien or whatever you know. Yeah, she is one of the Torchwood uh, team. 
she's undercover at this place. Really? Yeah. See, I I don't know too much about Torchwood. I I only remember the the Rift episode and like, oh, that's the Torchwood episode. Like, um, you should watch it. I think you should watch it at some point. I think you really will like it. Oh, well, I, I remember liking the episodes, yeah. Right? I remember liking the couple episodes that I saw, but yeah. You know. But there's some there's something in particular uh, in the somewhere in the first two seasons that I think you really enjoy. A couple things actually. So get you but, get some i yeah. some idea of what this episode is, entails. Basically, these aliens come down, they unzip their head, uh, and these very fake-looking CGI aliens come out until they morph yeah, into... Yeah, bad CGI. Yeah, very bad CGI, and then it morphs into a practical effect kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It, Basically, it, they it, use the CGI for when the suits needed to run fast. Yes. Uh, and then they, like, eat people or something, and zap people, and I don't know. I don't even remember why they're there. They're there for political means or something. Um... But honestly, these are the episodes that I don't really have much fascination with, don't really get sucked into all that much, uh, and they I, I forget about them all. all f- it except- was supposed to be a notable episode for when humans first have alien contact, but they seemingly completely forget about it. Right, oh, the, oh, another thing it's notable for is introducing Martha Jones. Or not, not Martha Jones, Harriet Jones. Martha Jones. Um, yeah, Harriet Jones shows up. She's Harriet. probably the best part of the episode. Um, because there's not much better than that. Um, like I said, these are the two episodes and probably some part of the whole series where it's just like, I don't want to remember them. Oh, another interesting, uh, one, just like a little gag they had right at the beginning of the episode is, uh, they said that she was returning 12 hours, but it ended up being 12 months later. Oh, yep. That was, that That was, was uh, that was, that was pretty good too. Um, though I don't know why they couldn't just pop back into the TARDIS and go back, you know. Um, <laughs> it is a time <laughs> machine. Because then they'd be crossing their own timeline. Ah, whatever. Uh, Which we know why that's bad. This two-parter, I both gave the same score of 4 out of 10. Um, and it's it's totally out of, you know, whatever. I, I rate them based off of the people. So, like, the aliens, they suck, specifically. <laughs> Uh, writing as far as importance, nothing really important pops up for the most part. For the most part, so, because it sort of does here and there, I said half points. Uh, behind the scenes, basically, you're talking about visuals and all that, and it was bad CGI. The narrative structure's fine, uh, and as far as entertainment goes, some of it was entertaining, some of it wasn't, which all comes down to four smaller, points. I think smaller chunks you can take out of it are entertaining but the overall thing mm-hmm. wasn't that great that's why i had half points there but it just mathematically i got four points and for both of them um because they are very similar in you know entertainment value as well so yeah. whatever that was those two episodes um don't really care for them don't know why they had to be a two-parter but whatever um yeah it might have been better if it was a one-parter the next episode after that was called Dalek. It was the first time we saw the probably most famous villain in Doctor Who. And it's one of the best Dalek episodes there it's, is. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, one of the best representations of Dalek. I think uh, this and the episode with uh, Clara uh, are two of the best ones yeah. ever. Yeah, well, um, that would be the uh, Asylum of the this, Daleks. 
This one uh, basically gave a lot of character and depth to a Dalek, which doesn't normally have those things, mm -hmm. uh, by saying this is the last Dalek. What's it going to do? It has no mission because their leader's gone. Um, it's alone in the universe, and it kind of asks psychological questions uh, as far as that's concerned, even though we know very well that it's not the last Dalek, and millions more show up in a few episodes later. I, I don't know. Uh, it, also, it, it also does a good job showing like sort of the parallel between the Dalek and the the Doctor. Both of them are the last of their kind, mm -hmm. and, and at that and, point... Yeah, he, they, he gets real angry and yells at him. Why don't you just die? And and the Daleks like you would make you would a make good a good Dalek. Dalek, which is a pretty good line yeah. as well. I that's one that I remember like years and years since I've seen the first season. Yeah. Um, it's it's a good episode. Um, there's there's something like that uh, with it was like at the beginning of uh, Capaldi when they went into the Dalek. That one. That I, one as I well, like yes. there was another line just like that in that episode. I don't remember exactly the lines, but you're probably right there. Yeah. So that's another good uh, Dalek episode. We'll, they, we'll, they have we'll, a few. we'll catch on that uh, later in the year. <laughs> right. They have a few. They have a few. But a lot of the Dalek episodes are relatively the same, where it's just like exterminate, exterminate, and the Doctor has to another whatever. Another very well-made uh, Dalek story that you have not seen would be uh, Tom Baker storyline called the Genesis of the Daleks. Oh, that's yeah. actually where they explain the actual uh, creation of the Daleks. Uh, you know, you got uh, Davros and and that whole situation. It's a really good story. It's I okay. think it's a six part uh, uh, storyline too. All right, so um, the year on this episode was 2012, by the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is the future. Uh, yeah, the future, <laughs> which was interesting. <laughs> Um, I did like this episode a lot. I gave this one, uh, this is the second one with a perfect 10 yeah, rating. definitely. Very good episode, which to me is kind of surprising. I, I, I don't remember it very well. I sort of did with uh, how it ended, how it began, but not much more than that. Uh, okay. So it had a lot more meaning to it when you watch it. So definitely 10 on that one. Yeah. Episode 7 is called The Long Game. And this one confused me when I was watching. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it first started off, it's on Satellite 5 in the year 200,000. Yeah, 200,000. Um, and you see the satellite flying around. And I remember this specifically as the, the game show episode where they're mm -hmm. in like Big Brother and things like that. But that's not till later, but it is the right spot. It is the right location. I forgot that they revisited it. Right. Um, another another important thing about this episode was that Simon Pegg is in it. Simon Pegg is in this episode, and this episode only. Um, uh, if you watch the uh, making of uh, episodes on the Blu-ray version, uh, the, these are like shortened to like five or ten minute uh, episodes of making of per episode. Uh, Simon Pegg does narrate that, I believe. But if you watch the full-length ones back when they were airing, they made full-length uh, making-ofs that would air like at, right after the episode, I think. Those were actually narrated by David Tennant uh, for season one. A funny story about this episode also. <laughs> I accidentally watched it out of order. I watched this, and then I watched the Dalek. Whoops. Oh, no. Which... <laughs> so you, <laughs> you probably I was confused. Point. I was very yeah, confused. 
Because it starts off and Rose uh, has this random boyfriend. That guy was going to join them on the next mission, but then watching it out of order, you kind of screwed that up. (laughs) Well, it's not really because Rose has this random boyfriend, right? But then again, on modern episodes, you'll have, you know, uh, Bill and her roommates that came out of nowhere. And no, you, but they were actually, but he was actually traveling with them in the TARDIS. That's different. Well, yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying that there are episodes I feel like that where characters come out of nowhere and you're just supposed to accept it. Um, so I wasn't really thinking anything. I was just like, oh, this is stupid. But then I watched Dalek and then it made sense. Um, though I don't think that was super necessary either. Yeah, <laughs> like, Adam, this character, Adam, is one that I would not consider a companion. Uh, based on the rules that I, I I use for myself on what I consider a companion, I feel like they have to be traveling uh, with the still traveling with the Doctor at the beginning of an episode and at the end of an episode, or appear in at least three episodes. So one or the other is is kind of my rules for uh, a companion. Hmm. Okay, three and episodes in a row. Either right. Way, so he's 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 not there long enough to actually be a real companion for me. Okay. So, this is a news satellite. It's the thing that gives, like, Earth all of their knowledge and vice versa or something like that. And uh, it's run by fake news. Um, <laughs> I know. We were saying that, too. While we were watching it's it. fake news. <laughs> they, they lie to people to control them, basically. And uh, on the ship, you can learn whatever you want. And Adam tried to back to the future it. And right, yeah. <laughs> basically, teach himself things about computers that he could make a profit on in well, modern the day. Thing. They said the, that you are the computer, didn't they? So technically, couldn't he have stored a lot of this information in his head? Yeah, but then they say that you can only store so much before your mind actually forgets it. That's why he had to relay it as he was learning it, um, mm-hmm. because he would immediately forget it as as soon as the connection is 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 lost. I see. Yeah, that's why uh, when you have the people with the brain exposed and the light coming in, uh, they're like, isn't that too much for the brain? And the doctor says, yes, it is, but uh, it's being filtered and it's compressed. And as soon as it loses that connection, she'll forget everything. That's why she has all these people here to write it down or whatever. Okay, I see. Um, But anyways, the news is fake. Simon Pegg's all part of it because he's dealing with a big blob on the ceiling <laughs> known as the editor um, mm-hmm. who's controlling Jagger everything. Fest. And the way they you know, beat it is by raising the temperature, I guess. Uh, they, well, no, what they're doing is they're pumping, uh, they're pumping the, this, this thing generates heat and so they're pumping that heat away from the creature to keep him cool. But then they reverse that and basically just explode him. Well, that's how it goes. When you pump the heat away it makes everything hot downstairs in the end, and then when they reversed it to be overheated. <laughs> mm-hmm. And at the very end... Kind of like Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. At the very end, the doctor stops the transmission of fake news, which uh, takes place later in the series, as it so happens. Uh, yeah, that, that affects the finale. It affects the finale. That episode I rated 7 out of 10. Yeah, okay. Um... The next one was initially my favorite episode when I first saw the series. Yeah. And that is uh, Father's Day. Now, uh, this it's was interesting. It's, it's interesting because of the paradox that it happens. Mm-hmm. And Rose 
breaks the rules. Uh, they go back in time to see when her father dies because she wasn't able to speak to him one last time. Uh, and she chickens out when they see it, and she wants to try again. So they go back to the same point, making sure to stay hidden from the other Why versions the of them. Why allow that? <laughs> it's, I don't know. Because he cares for Rose, I don't know. Um, and then she decides right then is her next point, and she runs in front of her other selves, which then vanish because that never happened, I guess. Um, that creates the paradox, because she keeps her father alive. So these big, bat-like things, <laughs> uh, called the Reapers. Is that what they're called? Yeah, Reapers? Okay. Yep. I didn't even know they had a name. <laughs> they come by, and they're trying to make things right. And it kind of seems at first that they're just eating random people, which I think they are. Um, Basically, they were going to uh, keep consuming everything in the universe until everything was gone. Mm -hmm. And by the end, the dad has to make it right by sacrificing himself in the same way because the car keeps showing up. The car mm -hmm. keeps showing up, car keeps showing up. The universe is hit. trying to correct itself. Mm -hmm. And he understands that, and he ultimately you know, kills himself. But, you know... While she's there, she does see her mom and uh, things like that, which they talk about later in the series as proof that she saw her father and whatnot. Now, now uh, Jackie did recognize Rose as her daughter, but she, I guess she forgets this once uh, history corrects itself. Mm. You're right. Because, you know, like people came back from the dead and stuff, so something must have corrected itself, not just... Not just uh, his death, but like a lot of the events that happened in between probably got rewritten as well. well this episode had a lot of, you know, ideals of uh, the butterfly effect and what's going to happen because of this. History will never be the same, and, and things of the nature. Um, it's uh, it's very important uh, to the lore of Doctor Who as setting up the uh, the idea of a fixed point. Right. Uh, basically, the the way I view a fixed point is if something is in the history books or if it's something you've personally experienced uh, in your life, then you know it has to be like that. You cannot change it. Mm -hmm. And if you try to, then obviously this is what's going to happen. <laughs> Basically, they, they use this episode so that we know uh, when the doctor says that it's a fixed point and you can't change it, we know he's telling the truth because we've seen what happens when you try. Mm -hmm. So I like this episode. I thought it was relatable and everything. It was more down-to-earth, which is kind of cool. And it was just a fun episode. Mm -hmm. But it did have important elements to it as well, both for Doctor Who and for the characters and everything. Right. This one I rated 9. Okay. Which brings us to the next two-parter. The first episode's called The Empty Child. The second one's called The Doctor Dances. This is the famous one where you keep hearing all the time, Are You My Mummy? It's also the first ever story by Stephen Moffat. And it's also the first time you see Jack Harkness. First, first so a lot of a lot of firsts here, a lot of important elements. I don't think they actually say "Are you my mummy?" until the second episode, though. Um, well, they say they say "mummy," they say "mummy" all they the time. Say yeah, they don't say the maybe the exact line until until the next one. Mm -hmm. Now, as, but, as, yeah, so this is a lot of people's favorite story in season one, including uh, Christopher Eccleston's favorite story. Mm. Um, it's not my favorite, but. No? It's it's well done, and it's creepy because of the kids, but the story itself wasn't entirely, like, for me, it wasn't, didn't really lure me in as much as some of the other ones in the in the season. Hmm, okay. 
but it did have memorable things to it. It did have memorable Jack. It did have memorable kids in the uh, Blitz masks and gas masks. Yep. And things of the nature. I, I really liked my favorite part of the of the uh, story is the ending. Uh, the, basically, the whole ending, like when he, when he starts with the whole everybody lives, right? And, you know, Doctor gets all really excited and stuff. And then the and then the ending too with the doctor dancing and and uh, teleporting Jack out of his ship. That that whole ending sequence is really really good. I think it is. And the second episode of it, I did like more than the first. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not like the episodes with the Slovene where I rated them both the same. Empty Child, I rated eight. Um, and the Doctor dances, I rated the next full ten points. Okay. Um, I thought the second part of this two-parter was noticeably better than the first. I thought the first was more or less a lot of lead-up, uh, mm-hmm. and then the second episode had all the stuff that you wanted to see. Right. So I said that the second episode was better. It's a, it's a, it is a memorable two-parter, though. Yeah. For the most part, definitely introduction of of Jack is important. Or, or you could say that Jack may have already been introduced. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> because of Bo. Alright, next. <laughs> um, next episode was called Boomtown. Alright, now this one is the one with the rift. Um, or Slitheen. It's the one with the, the Slitheen again. And this is funny because the, the definition, the description of the episode says, um, Whilst there, they come upon a since-thought, long-dead enemy of theirs. Long-dead? It's been a couple episodes, guys. <laughs> like, I, what it's what it, that's what it says. And I'm like, <laughs> eh. It's usually when you're seeing, like, the Cybermen after three seasons. You know? It's like, whoa! Right. You know, those are long-dead. Not the Slovene, the stupid people that were there two episodes ago. Like, come on now. <laughs> um, so they're back again. This is a little bit better of the Slovene episodes. Yeah, um, definitely. I think it has, it's a lot more like, uh, I like the, how they have the whole, you're gonna be my executioner situation, and, uh, I like the whole, basically, the way, uh, Captain Jack, you know, is interacting with, you know, the Doctor and Rose and Mickey, and everybody's kind of there, and I kinda like that too. They made it and, a little yeah, bit. And again, the Rift, uh, more Torchwood, they're, they're again, they're in, uh, they're in, uh, Cardiff again, same location as the third episode, and the same uh, rift as that as well. They made the Slovene a little bit more personable and a little bit more understandable at a point, mm-hmm. um, so they understood that hey, this person you're about to kill has a family, has a child, um, and there's a little bit more to it than just your own agenda, which was nice. Uh, but they're ultimately annoying creatures. <laughs> And they did. They, she did go back to her annoyingness, you know. By the end, there was there was some good moments though with with that character. I think. I think they're. This episode is sort of like trying to redeem <laughs> the crappiness of the first Slithine episode. Yeah. It, it, I think it mostly did, although there's still a little bit of it there. Yeah. So yes, this was a better episode. So the those first the two parters I both rated four and four. This episode I rated seven, uh, but it. Isn't a very, very 
like memorable episode by any means. Like one I, thing that's memorable is they just about solve the whole bad wolf mystery, and then the doctor's like, "Ah, never mind. It probably means nothing." That's right. <laughs> Though he was probably, you know, faking it. He's right. he probably understands he that. Knew, yeah, he probably knew something was going on, but he but he didn't want to, uh, you know, yeah. spoil it. For spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, the next two parter is the finale two parter. Um, I rated both of these 10, 10 out of 10, um, and they're both important. We're back on to Satellite 5, this is the both game show episode. I, I definitely rate the second one 10 out of 10, I'm not sure about the first one. Well, it's the first... Some, it's got some good stuff, but I guess the ending kind of ma- makes it up for it, huh? Yeah, it, it... The problem is, if you watched the previews, they totally spoiled the ending. Did you notice that? No, I didn't actually, I don't think I saw the previews, I stopped them and I kept on going. Yeah, uh, we watched we watched the previews and it totally gave away that the Daleks were coming back. That oh, was a okay. massive surprise to me when I was watching the episode for the first time. Okay, yeah. Um, so we're back on Satellite Five. It's a hundred years since we were last there, and because he stopped the um, the news flow, everything has changed. Earth is different. Um, and, there was uh, no news, so instead they, they started playing they games. They started doing video uh, games. Yeah, that's doing, right. Uh, and reality TV, basically. You know, like Hunger Games stuff. So, uh, it, yeah, basically. Now, now instead of like when it came to the first episode, it was talking about fake news and everything. This one's talking more like the stakes are high for um, you know games, uh, TV games or whatnot, game shows because yeah, basically, if you lose, you die. If you lose, uh, did you, die. you notice uh, somebody uh, in particular who was uh, who is in another show we watch in this episode? I don't know. Uh, the guy that was playing uh, the weakest link right next to Rose. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, the guy, it's the boss guy from Timeless. Yes, that's one guy I always actually confused with Doctor Moon. Um, yeah. <laughs> when we were exactly. watching so Timeless, he was in Doctor Who, but he wasn't Doctor Moon. So he, they were both there, all right? They were both in Doctor Who, so I can, you know, say that and not have to say who it was in Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this was a fun episode, for the most part. Like, the game show aspect, yeah. the Big Brother with the weakest link. Um, it was just pretty much plain fun until it got to the important bits, and that was mostly in the second episode. Um, they did uh, ask a little bit more about Bad Wolf and why it, you know... Because it is called Bad Wolf. Um, right, Bad Wolf Corporation is holding the games. Yep. And then it explains more about Bad Wolf in the second episode, which um, is when you learn about the Daleks coming in to destroy everything. And basically, the Doctor has to sacrifice himself uh, and Earth, like all the people of Earth, in order to destroy the Daleks. One thing I noticed uh, while watching this episode for the first time, the second one, is uh, to me, Captain Jack seemed a lot like Han Solo. Yes, he did. Yeah, I think that was like, probably. On I, purpose. I really wanted him to come back because I really liked his character in this first season, and by the end, he was really he felt like a Han Solo character. And I really wanted more of that. I feel like there was. Back. I feel like there were shoutouts to Star Wars just because of him running down the hallway with that gun and yeah. holding it like Han Solo would. Uh, and I guess he had the he had like the vest thing too. Yeah, like he had Solo. a vest as well. Um, and that mostly had to do with the game show stuff. Right. Um, so the dogs show up 
Because usually uh, Captain Jack wears his old World War II uh, army jacket. Yes. Um, the docs show up, and they say that they are half-human. Um, well, and no, he, they don't say that. The doctor says the that. The doctor figures it out, that they yeah, are... They've been harvesting. When, harvesting. when the people get, quote-unquote, killed in the games, yeah. they're actually... Uh, Transported, the Daleks, yep. and the Daleks take you know bits and pieces from those humans to to regenerate their their own kind. So they're part human, and in order to save the rest of humankind from experiencing that for the rest of their life, um, he decides to blow everything up, including you know the people of Earth, and he makes a promise to Rose, saying he'll protect her, sends her back home. But she tricks her. Yeah, he tricks her. Uh, she sees Bad Wolf at home. She saw Bad Wolf Corporation. Starts putting together the uh, the fact that Bad Wolf is everywhere and what it means is basically a it's it's a sign to her that she's connected to the Doctor still. She can still make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to do that, she speaks to the TARDIS directly through the TARDIS's heart or soul or whatever it is. Time vortex, yeah. Time vortex. The heart of the TARDIS. Uh, yeah, they, they actually bring up the heart of the TARDIS a couple times later in the series, too, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think during the journey to the center of the TARDIS, I believe, yeah. I believe it's brought up there. And uh, so she kind of sucks the energy into herself, and she becomes Bad Wolf right. as as a character, Bad Wolf. So she's got yeah. all these powers to basically... I am the Bad Wolf. I, you know, I take atoms and divide them she can do life she's like a superhero she can do whatever the heck she wants she's basically god she's basically god at that point and she just waves a hand and and daleks die and she waves a hand and the people who have already died by the daleks come back to life and and honestly for me this whole bad wolf moment is one of the coolest moments of the series for me i love it it's it's a very cool moment it's a very memorable moment and then uh Basically, all that power was way too much for her. It's, it's way too much for the Doctor, even. Um, so after she saves the day, um, the Doctor sucks it out of her and then blows it back into the TARDIS. This is the, the, the first time the Doctor starts kissing his companions, I believe? Yeah, is it? Um, <laughs> now, here's what's interesting, because the Doctor only had it for like two seconds. Rose had it for I don't know how many minutes. And just the couple of seconds that he had it, He's now starting to regenerate. Well, I think the fact... I don't think it was just two seconds. I think because she kind of passes out, and then we come back. And I, I I don't know how long it was, but it's it's basically more permanent in him, maybe. I don't know. Because I feel like she would but be any, dead. But anyway, <laughs> it's, basically, it's basically a retcon, because Christopher Eccleston kind of suddenly said, I don't want to come back, and so they had to kind of figure out to regenerate. This is the shortest doctor that we've ever had. Just yeah. one season. Basically, from um, what I hear, he he liked the stories. He liked like the aliens and all that, uh, and the way that character was handled. But he didn't like some of the behind the scenes, like whatever was happening behind the scenes with the people that he worked with. Like he didn't get along with them or something. Uh, he might be a hard worker to work with or something. But he did say, you know, when when I, when he was talking recently uh, a couple years ago about it, he. he uh, like I think that's when they were trying to get him back to Dave the Doctor. Uh, he, he said that uh, he really liked Stephen Moffat's episodes, and he's glad to hear that Stephen Moffat was running the show now. And so I'm thinking, okay, so if you liked Stephen Moffat's episodes and you're glad to hear that he was running the show, why didn't you come back for Dave the Doctor? I don't know. 
He probably he probably is. It's just for the regeneration. Come on, you know. Yeah, it probably is a. He might be a difficult actor to work with. Very perfectionist. He has one idea and he's done. He's done. Um, so that probably makes sense. But I do hold out that someday he'll return. You know, just for the heck of it. it seems unlikely to me, but I hope yeah. so. Um, do so it through the, CGI. <laughs> to the end of this episode, Doctor regenerates into David Tennant, basically. Which is and, the end of the season. Uh, I guess I'll speak more about this. Uh, we're we're gonna do we're gonna do the Christmas on the next episode, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but so I'll I'll speak more about this then. But one thing I noticed about David Tennant that's not really true of any of the other doctors is that he is his version of the doctor pretty much right away. He's got it down already. Right. He has. You know, he's, 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 he's had. He's had his idea pretty much episodes. for a while. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 ready. <laughs> a lot of doctors take some getting used to before they're they're in character, and I think for us it was more of getting used to the change from uh, Christopher Eccleston than it was getting used to the way he was playing the doctor because he he was playing it the right way right right away. Yeah. So um, that was the season. You know, it's it's a it's an okay season. It's got some good episodes. It has some weird ones. It has some not so great ones. It's it's uh it's a good start, but. I do understand it's a some people. Legendary season for introducing the Doctor and for Christopher Eccleston's only season, yeah. uh, I, and for the Bad Wolf. I, I do understand people that want to start later seasons, like season two or season five, uh, because of some things that are just weird. Um, season five, I, I'd be okay with. I don't think it's a good idea to start with season two. Maybe you're probably right with that because of the companion. Um, but. Uh, Overall, I don't think it's bad to watch. It's it's it maybe corny. It may not be the best quality season, uh, but it's still important enough to see for the rest of the series because they do still make shout outs. They made a shout out to Rose in the finale of the tenth season. So, yeah. I mean, they may make new starts here and there, but they always always make shout outs for the older series, anyways. Um, so that's a good season, but. I think we're going to move on to the spoiler territory now. I would say spoiler alert, but you probably know what we're talking about anyways. There may be some of you who have not been spoiled yet. Uh, if you have, you would know just by us saying that, that you have been spoiled. Uh, so Because you, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't even consider it spoiling, most likely. Uh, yeah, so if, if you don't think you've been spoiled, then, then uh, you know, hit stop right now. Because we're gonna we're gonna talk about it a little bit. Yeah, this has to do with a recent announcement that was made publicly uh, by BBC and spread throughout every channel possible. Um, now, before season ten began, we knew that there was going to be a regeneration, or at least I did. And this um, is the start of 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 what we're complaining about. <laughs> yeah, um, and there's gonna be a regeneration. Okay, so. The entire uh, season was kind of moving around that idea a little bit here and there. Uh, but it was after the season finale hit and everything where they said, okay, the new Doctor is going to be announced at this and this time. And this and that, there's going to be a, a little video to, to announce it. And it's going to be great. And so the time came around. I think it was around like 1230 or something like that when it actually came out. Uh, Eastern, 1230 p.m. I have no idea. I wasn't awake at the time. And uh, so they play this video. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, and it's announced that the next Doctor is going to be regenerated into a female. And it's going to be Jodie Whittaker. 
we won't really talk about uh, the actress so much as the news. So, uh, a lot of people don't consider this spoiler territory, uh, and that's because it's, you know, PR, it's news. Because it's, it's official. It's official. If it's official, if it it's can't a, be a spoiler, right? And that, that's the, that goes against a lot of what I think about anyway, because I don't watch the previews, you know? Right. And what I consider spoilery, I mean, I have a lesser tolerate, like, I tolerate, sorry, I tolerate more than Andy does. Andy will be in a movie theater, he'll have his head down, and he will close his ears to a trailer to a movie. I'm not that way unless, I don't know, maybe it's a four-minute trailer to Justice League, which just came out, um, which yeah. I have not watched. Um, but and, and knowing that their trailers, like the Batman and Superman and, and uh, Suicide Squad trailers that I had seen after I watched the movie, I'm like, are you kidding me? There's a Spider-Man one that was, like, people complained about felt like the oh, whole yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. I heard about. I haven't watched those yet, but I heard that it basically spoils all the action in the movie. The idea is, in Doctor Who, when you're watching Doctor Who, few things really, really matter that you're really, really um, looking forward to watching. Um, and those are those are the casting announcements because this isn't a show where it's just like this some random guy's going to be playing a special guest appearance. These are people that have played in the uh, show before, um, and the specifically the uh, regenerations are hugely weighted upon because it's part of the plot. It's not just casting announcement, it's part of the plot. It's a it's like the biggest moment in a season of Doctor Who. Um Right, and, and here's the thing. I, I don't know how many of you may have binged the show like I did in uh in uh what was it, twenty twelve I believe. I, I binged the first uh five and a half seasons straight without any knowledge of what was gonna happen. I think so how many did I watch? Like five Eccleston regenerated. And when David Tennant regenerated, I had no idea that was coming. Except for David Tennant, you kind of knew because the whole he will knock four times. Thing. The only one I um, knew was uh, was Peter um, Capaldi. I knew that was going to be Peter Capaldi. Right. Um, yeah, so I didn't know when they were going to regenerate. I didn't know who they were going to be. Uh, so when those moments happened, they were awesome. Uh, when, when, like, for example, at the end of season four, when David Tennant starts to regenerate and then doesn't, that's a big surprise to me because... I didn't know anything about it, so uh, I, I'm sure in real life people probably knew that wasn't going to be when he was going to regenerate, and so they weren't. It didn't surprise them. Uh, so big moments like that, yeah. Like when Rose, when uh, it, things like when Rose came back or when the Master came back, it's uh, always the biggest announcement. The yeah. biggest things that can happen in Doctor Who are announced before it happens. Those things were epic for me. that. Yeah, that doesn't happen for the most part in the states. Like they will go beyond uh, the necessary to make sure that spoilers are hidden. Like in The Walking Dead, where they filmed each of the characters dying so that nobody could spoil who actually died. Or, uh, they did something like that with uh, the ending of the first season of 24, too, I believe. 24, they do it with Game of Thrones, and I think... I understand that you don't have the biggest budget in the world for Doctor Who, but at the same time, you don't have to give in. Sherlock and... did some misdirection in its filming as well. You don't have to give in and drop down to the level of spoilers by giving away the biggest points in a show. That's kind of aggravating. It it, it does. It ruins the moment. Right. So, uh, so, okay, here's the thing. Yeah, so maybe some of this stuff is going to leak. There, eventually, people are going to see, you know, the filming of The Doctor. They're going to connect uh, two and two together. They're going to figure out who it is. That might leak out, but if it's not an official announcement, people are going to be skeptical about it and they may avoid it's a rumor it like it's a they, rumor like they, 
Yeah, it's a rumor. They're not going to spread it out like official news would be. Official so news. Even, it, even though it gets leaked, it's not leaked to everybody like these news. Yeah, uh, official network. news, it has a lot of pull and it kind of goes everywhere. It's it's just a wildfire. Um, and uh, another thing uh, is that, yeah, spoilers might come out from spoiler people. And that's when I say, you know, whatever. Let them spoil it because that's what they do. Um, and we can at least still try to avoid it. Um, I, I, I'm actually mad at BBC for doing it because that's really what they should be avoiding, you know? Right. Um, when you look up spoiler on a uh, dictionary, it says a description of an important plot development in a television show, movie, or book, which if previously known may reduce surprise or suspense for a first time viewer or reader. Um, and that doesn't say anything about official news or, you know, leaked information. Yeah, being official doesn't make it not a spoiler. Right. Uh, it just means example, that it's officially a spoiler. <laughs> it's an official here's spoiler. Here's two examples that I put side by side here. This season, for season 10, they spoiled the fact of John Sim coming back in the preview that uh, aired at the end of the first episode. Uh, that is a was a major twist that I was not expecting. I, I mean, I, I kind of predicted it based on some of the things David said, but I didn't know when it was going to happen. They, you know, they how? Had a poster yeah. that gave it away. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I was still surprised on how it happened. Yeah, but... so there's still a little bit there, but uh, the fact that they spoiled that he was coming back is is wrong. They should not have done that. And and something to parallel that exactly is when he first showed up, uh, when the Master first showed up in the series in uh, Season 3. Um, I had no idea. I mean, I, I knew who the master was because I watched this old comedy special uh, with that the Stephen Moffat wrote incidentally. Um, and, and so I knew who the master was. So when they, when they did this big reveal of the master being the, uh, being another time that's still out there in season three, uh, that surprised me. Yeah. So, um, and, and here's the thing I used Google and I searched, I Googled uh, Dr. Who the master and I uh, set, and you can set, uh, what date range to search from. So I searched uh, date range very close to when that episode aired uh, up until, not not after, because then obviously there would be articles, but everything before it. And there was no articles about uh, the Master coming back or John Sim being cast as the Master or anything like that. There was nothing announced before that moment. So Russell T. Davies knew how to avoid spoilers. Mm. Now, the, the regenerations may have been out there, but that kind of moment was not spoiled, at least. Um, uh, at least he had some idea to avoid spoiling things like that. Now so, anyways, this news that was released was probably... Uh, it was the quickest spreading one I think I've seen from Doctor Who. Um, I don't know if it's because it's a woman, or if it's because of the outrage that it's a woman, or if it's because whatever. Uh, but it, it went fast. Um, and so I, I thought it prudent to, to ask a Doctor Who community about it. So, you know, Facebook has a bunch of groups and you, you, you grab one. Uh, Doctor Who's got like a freaking million, you know, followers. I'm like, okay, this is a good community, right? Uh, you got a bunch of people on there posting that they're mad that it's a woman. You got uh, a lot of people on there that are the opposite. So a lot of clashing people. Um, I posted my question. I said, hey, is there anybody out there other than me that's a little disappointed that BBC insists on releasing this information that's like the most uh, 
anticipated moment in the series. Why do I have to know every regeneration? Why do I have to know every companion? Why do I have to know all of this before it happens? Because I feel like it would be a lot better if seen firsthand when it happens. Uh, because I was, you know, trying to avoid all these different news throughout the years, and I never can do it because everybody's always talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I had an overwhelming response of people not caring uh, at all that it's it's news. It's called marketing. It's called PR. It's called this and that. Uh, Which it is was, just disappointing. It's just, yeah. It, like every, Nobody cares. Nobody cares that it was released. They said, you know, uh, they've been talking about regenerations ever since this, like, at the sixth doctor or whatever. And I'm like, I don't care. I wasn't able to, I, I was able to hide away until Peter Capaldi. The thing is, news itself uh and the the range that it gets from releasing this information expands i think like every year so like it's easier to get this information to other people uh more days now than say on the sixth doctor i'm just saying um Mm -hmm. so even though i started watching this later in life i still didn't know who the actors were for the doctors like i didn't think it was like everywhere like it is today um, so it was still pretty good at keeping things hidden if you wanted it to be hidden, uh, and you can know things if you want to know things as well. Like it, it I was... did stay away from the news of Peter Capaldi for a few months, but I think it was right before Day of the Doctor I got spoiled on it. And one of the people that asked me something, they're like, it's kind of like asking, uh... But I knew it was coming. It's not like I said, like, the new Batman movies are coming out, and you, you want to know, you don't want to know who the new Batman is until you watch it in theater. I'm like, I mean, if I could get away with that, <laughs> I mean, I, what's the fault in that? Um, they basically said you had to live in Antarctica to avoid, and I'm, I agree, I just think that's wrong, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I get it, I get that it's PR, I think it's bad PR. And then I gave examples of, you know, other things like AMC and even CW and things like that. And they're like, well, don't talk about the other networks. We're just talking about BBC. I'm like, that's fine. I'm just saying it's it's bad marketing. It Yes, you can spoil the biggest points in a show and it'll get people to watch it. But they aren't going to be surprised when they see it. Right. And here's, here's I think, basically the first big moment where I noticed this about Doctor Who for me uh, was... Uh, now, this is something I was able to avoid at first, uh, was the announcement of Clara. They said, you know, we're going to have a new companion, and here, and here it is, and it showed, they, they showed a picture of, of uh, Matt Smith and Clara. And I avoided that, that picture, but I knew that, the, that a new companion was announced. At the, at the time, this wasn't a big deal because at the end of season six, it seemed like, you know, uh, Amy and Rory had gone away, and that was going to be the end of their story. But then season seven starts. And they're back. So, first of all, you know they're going to be leaving before the end of the season. Yep. You might not know when, but you know they're not going to stick around. And then second of all, if you had seen that picture of Clara, which I still had not at the point at that point in time, but if you had seen that picture of Clara, you would know exactly who this Oswin girl was that was trapped inside this Dalek. Uh, and you would have spoiled yourself that that was eventually going to be the companion. You may not, you know, you wouldn't know how, how they were going to play it out, but you but you spoil the big surprise there because when it comes back uh, in the uh, the snowman, and then we see her again, and we eventually connect the dots as the same person, like the you know Matt Smith connects the dots to the same person. That's a bigger moment if you don't know that. That's yeah, my biggest 
thing uh, that I think I sort of got across to people when I was commenting on there was what I would rather see is the uh, what the writers and the filmers and everybody how they want you to see it first, how they want you to experience it. It's clear from the you know characters you know expressions that this is supposed to be an oh my goodness moment uh, that we weren't expecting. But by giving away the you know the details and everything, we're already expecting it for obvious reasons. So we're we don't experience the way I feel like the writers want you to experience it. Right. Um, I think I kind of got that across to them. A lot of people also said something very similar. They said they need this information now so they can get over their anxiety and anger about the issues by the time. The show. That is I'm so like, stupid. If that's the case, don't watch the show because you don't get it. <laughs> I mean, part of the show is is the unexpected. Like, and I guess this is a spoiler section, uh, so I could say this. Um, but, uh, it'd be like, you know, if George Lucas, uh, announced, you know, uh, we're about to make a sequel to Star Wars, and guess what? Darth Vader's gonna end up being Luke's father. <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. They're like, oh, we gotta see it then. <laughs> yes, you will draw more people into the theater, because that's interesting. Yeah. But, that's not like an OMG moment. It's just like, oh, there it is. That's what the, that's what they said that's gonna happen. Yep, there it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not how twist, or you know, like uh, Sixth Sense and all that. Like there, there are certain right. things that are bigger than normal uh, movies, more normal TV shows, normal twists, even where it's like the big thing where it can't be divulged before you go into it. BBC divulges a lot of information, and I think that's like not the smartest on their. Hopefully, hopefully uh, the new guy running the show might be. Better at that. Although I guess he may have had a part in this announcement too, so who knows? But uh, because he did uh, run the show Broadchurch, and uh, it's he, you know, that show has a lot of you know big surprise moments, and I don't recall ever being spoiled on any of them. It so, I, it might be an era thing too. Like I feel like we're just getting into more of an age where people don't care so much about spoilers because because I do believe that the more that you are um, exposed to uh, spoilers and uh, announcements like this, the more you get used to it and the more you don't care about surprises as much. That is true, but what people don't realize is I think it does hurt the reception of the final product. Like, if you go in, like, for example, uh, Batman vs. Superman or Amazing Spider-Man 2 both had extremely spoilery marketing campaigns. Uh, if you go into the movie after seeing all the, you know, uh, dozens of minutes of, of footage that has been out before the movie even comes out, what you're going to be judging the movie on is what you haven't seen yet. You're going to yeah. be judging it on the stuff you haven't seen yet. So if, if you've seen a lot of the coolest moments, there's not a lot left for you. I, mean, I remember... I you're remember. Gonna judge it on, you're going to probably judge it poorly because of that. I remember you edited together a super trailer for uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 collected of TV spots uh, mm -hmm. and theatrical trailers and things of the nature commercials. And it basically, what was it, it like? It was 20 minutes long, and it included just about every scene in the movie. Yeah, everything that was important. Um, now, from what I understand from people who read spoilers and stuff like that, they get the shock from reading the spoiler, and they're just as happy from getting the shock from reading the spoiler as they are from experiencing it firsthand when it airs. 
Well, that's what they think. Yeah. I think it's different. Uh, I think seeing it in context does make a difference, but they just don't realize that. Right. It's not I don't about know. the. It's not about the announcement. It's it's not about the thing itself. It's about seeing that thing in the right context. I think. Uh, maybe we're just traditional, and uh, we should get with the times and just like ex accept it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> no. Um, but we are supposed to get with the times and accept that as a female, which I don't care. But a lot of people do. Yeah. A lot of people are like just terrible. Not my doctor, kind people, of. People did people care about Missy? Uh, no, because it's the master. I don't know. It, it's not the doctor, so they don't really care. See, that was um, cool. That was a cool moment. I was not spoiled about. Yeah. Sure. Missy. Yep. That was that was a shocking moment. Um. But people really have said they're not watching it anymore. They're stopping to watch it. And these people that say they're not going to watch it anymore, these people that uh, need to be surprised before the show starts because they're too angry about it, if you get angered by these types of things, you're not a fan of Doctor Who, in my opinion. Um, or maybe you're too passionate about something you shouldn't <laughs> be passionate about. Um, and, and things of the nature, if people have too much ex expectations, maybe they have too little expectations. Uh, and it just kind of rules your world to the point where you just, you have all this, like, I don't know, you got like a backwards expectation, a backwards, uh, like, look on this whole entire thing, and I think you should, if I could just sit down and watch the DVDs back and back and back, I'd probably be happy with that, um, but I can't not watch it live, so, like, at the same time, I have to risk seeing all the spoilers because I want to see the show when it airs. Right. So At least we can avoid the trailers. Uh, I can. You didn't. Uh, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we can avoid the tra trailers and try to... Uh, like, I, I don't subscribe to any discussion boards for the show because I know I've been, I've been spoiled about things. Uh, that's where I was spoiled about there was going to be a new companion when Clara came around. Uh, so I, I've stopped reading those places. The now. problem is I don't even need that anymore. Like, I didn't have the discussion that I entered my question into until after yeah. the season. But I saw all the stuff about the Doctor uh, regenerating and, and the who Bill was going to be played by and, and all, like, everything that was important. I saw that from other random sources that mm -hmm. were either on, you know, Twitter or on Facebook pages or people were just talking about randomly. Um, yeah, I got completely spoiled about Bill for sure. Yeah, these uh, it wasn't right away though. It came it came a little later for me. So yeah. those are things I can't avoid. I feel like yeah, the discussion's gonna be the most obvious, but like I hate it at the same time. But it's like well, I guess that's just how it is for people now. I don't know. Um, I can't avoid it. I've tried, and it just it just comes no matter what. <laughs> yeah, this one especially, it was almost impossible to avoid. Some things you can. Uh, like, uh, like some of the announcements, uh, like I didn't know Missy was going to be coming back to this, uh, 10th season, and I didn't know about John Sim, and stuff like that. You can avoid them if you try for some smaller things, but the big one, if they're going to be this big, it's impossible. Yeah. But anyways, that's, uh, mostly our rant, uh, and our, <laughs> our, uh, season, um, recap for you, uh, which was fun. Uh, we're currently sort of... Um, in the middle of season two, we're watching yeah, right I've now. Get to that. I've got I got uh, episode four to watch tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um. So lots of David Tent stuff going on. 
Yeah. Um, we'll so get to that in a couple weeks or whatever. What's the next episode? Or what episode, uh, What day is that? Uh, hold on, I have to load it. I don't have it open right now. Um, it is uh, August 5th. So August 5th. Two weeks. So two weeks from today. You know, enjoy your next week and everything. I will be back in two weeks with uh, Season 2 of Doctor Who. Um, so look out for that. Uh, anything else to add, Andy? Uh, nope, that's it. Okay. Well, thank you for tuning in to Smaller on the Outside. A little bit longer episode this time because we had a lot of cover. Um, feel free to give us a shout-out on our Twitters. My, my Twitter username or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> At I-A-M-D-W-G. And it's Morphin APG. That's right, not Morphine. Morphin. Uh, and you can also email us at uh, Dave at DaveExaminesMovies.com or follow us on Tracked TV, uh, same usernames as before. Um, so looking forward to hear from that. Subscribe to the podcast, follow it, comment on it, um, and everything. We'll look, hear, look forward to hearing from you and stay tuned because next episode we're talking about the first season of David Tennant, which is always you know, the best doctor, the, the best doctor, uh, right. David Hammond's the best doctor. Matt Smith's the best stories. Uh, so, uh, look forward to that. Um, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Peace out. Peace out. Okay. <laughs>